Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Paul's second letter to Timothy, chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. This is found on page 967 in your pew Bible, if you'd like to follow along with me. But before I read that to you, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you and we thank you for your love. Amen. So again, 2 Timothy, Timothy chapter 3, beginning with verse 12. Indeed, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But wicked people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving others and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient and equipped for every good work. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. In 1943, the great reformer, Reinhold Niebuhr, was invited to a Lutheran church to preach. He was a professor and had spoken at many churches before, as well as many schools, and had several sermons in his arsenal. And so he brought a sermon with him to the church. He was greeted by the pastor at the door who showed him to a back study where he could get ready, robe up, and prepare for the service. Then right before the sermon started, the pastor came and got him and brought him out to the sanctuary just a couple of seconds before the service started. And he leaned over and said, I I forgot to tell you that after you preach, you need to pray a little prayer, offer a little prayer right afterwards. Hopefully you can do that. Well, Reinhard Niebuhr had not prepared a prayer. And so when they sat down up on the chancel, he pulled out his bulletin and scribbled out the words of a prayer, words that he had heard many times before in many different ways from other authors, other speakers. He just wrote it down on his, on his bulletin so he would be prepared. After the service was over, he offered his sermon, offered his prayer. He walked out to the front steps like most of us do, and, and I'll do in just a few minutes. And The people in the congregation came out and shook his hand, and most of them did what you all mostly do with me. Nice sermon, good job today, thank you for being here, welcome to our church, hope you enjoyed being with us this morning, those kind of things. But there was one person who came up to him and said, by the way, can I have a copy of that prayer? Well, Reinhold Niebuhr stopped and thought, what prayer is this person talking about? And he said, that prayer, the one that you prayed right after you uh, finished your sermon. Well, Reinhold Niebuhr looked in his hand and saw the bulletin that he was using earlier and realized that the words were scribbled on the top of the bulletin. And so he just handed the bulletin to this man, this parishioner from the church. And the words read, Lord, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Those are words that he had heard many times before in other places and other times that he had adapted and and used in that moment. 
Words that we all know now as the serenity prayer. It's a famous prayer that's used by support groups, used by greeting cards, used in motivational posters all over the world. And if you haven't heard it before, well, you've heard it now. It's a a prayer all about change, about having the wisdom to know what we have the power to change and what we don't have the power to change, and also the courage to be able to take the steps needed to change the things that we can. I often think of the month of January as a season of change. Not just because we move and change our calendar from one year to the other, but we often take it as an opportunity for each and every one of us to try to change things in our own lives. We often make New Year's resolutions. We think, and as we're going into the new year, we think about those things that we want to try to do to, to be healthier people, to, to try to make changes in our lives so the next year is a good year for all of us. You think about things, maybe you've made some resolutions this year, things like I want to eat healthier, or I want to exercise more, or I want to try to save more money, I want to read more and watch less TV, things like that. Well, this morning, as a congregation and as members of this congregation, I want to invite all of us to make one resolution together. That this year, 2023, each of us will make a resolution to deepen our faith. To try harder, to be disciples, to to deepen our spirituality, to, to learn more about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. To deepen our faith together. Now, most resolutions, as you know, we have already long abandoned them by Valentine's Day. Maybe that's going to happen to some of us this year. But this resolution is a little different, and let me tell you why. Because this resolution is not something that you are doing on your own. We're not only going to try to do it together this year, but when you try to deepen your faith, faith is something that comes from God. It is a gift from God, truly a gift that you cannot achieve on your own, but just because it's a gift, it doesn't mean we don't have work to do. Our work partners with that gift of God so that when we do the things that it takes to to use that gift, to, to deepen that gift, well, that gift grows in us, almost like digging a deep well that we can draw from when we are thirsty and when we are in need, that we can draw from when we need to share that gift with others. And so over the next few weeks, and as we begin this new year, and leading up to the season of Lent, we're going to actually talk about some practical ways that you can work on that gift, that you can deepen your faith this year, so that when we get to January of 2024... You can look back on this past year and and think about ways that your faith has grown, that your faith has developed, that you have deepened your faith in the year gone by. We're going to talk about lots of things, things like prayer. We'll talk about that next week. Things about developing healthy relationships, things about taking leaps of faith, all kinds of things. But today we're going to start maybe with the most basic one, reading the Bible, reading Holy Scripture. That's what Paul talks about in the passage that I read to you this morning from 2 Timothy. Paul and Timothy were friends, but Paul was also a a mentor of Timothy, and they traveled around in many places together. Timothy got to actually watch Paul work. He got to see how Paul preached. He got to see how Paul taught other people, how Paul really literally went and spread the gospel and, and helped the church to grow. 
But not only that, he, Paul wrote these letters to give to Timothy so that when Paul was gone, he would have these extra instructions, have these little reminders that, that Timothy could keep with him and take with him as, as Timothy continued to help grow the church. Now you might think these letters from Paul to Timothy would be secrets, almost like a, a master chef giving his secret recipes to someone coming behind him. Those secret family recipes to help grow the church, how to perform miracles, how to win friends and influence people, those kind of things. But in the passage that we read this morning, well, the instruction is nothing secret at all. Paul tells Timothy, read Scripture. Read it over and over again. For Scripture, all Scripture is inspired by God. Now I have to believe when Timothy read this, he thought, well, there's nothing secret about this. Why is this something I'm called to do? In fact, this is something that novice Christians should do, but I've already memorized some Scripture. I've already been preaching Scripture. I've already been teaching Scripture. Why is this something that I am called to do? And maybe that's something that we think about. I guarantee you most of you have Bibles in your home. They're probably sitting on a shelf. The problem is, is that they're sitting on a shelf. But we're called to read them. We're called to study them. Because when we pull that Bible off the shelf, we realize that this book that maybe seems archaic to us or maybe seems overly complicated to us or maybe to some of us maybe seems overly simplistic, this book that we pull off the shelf comes alive. It's not just a story about something that happened many, many, many years ago, but it's a story about what is happening right now. About our relationship with God. About who God has called us to be and how we belong to God. And so we need to read it and study it over and over again to be reminded about who we are and who we are called to be. And no matter how much knowledge we might have, no matter how far science might advance us, there are times when this inspired Word, this Word that was developed over generations and generations, this Word that was put together by the power of the Holy Spirit, there are times when this Word still comes alive for us and feeds us and speaks for us and gives voice to our faith in a way that nothing else can. Let me give you an example. 1968, the United States and NASA was making its plans to, to go to the moon. And in the December of 1968, the Apollo 8 mission was taking place. The Apollo 8 mission was not to land on the moon, but just to orbit the moon. And it was taking place in December. And so they knew that they were going to be orbiting the moon over Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And so the United States government told NASA, you all need to make plans to make a broadcast from the space, from, from the space shuttle when you're, you're up in space so that the Americans can hear you. So make sure you say something appropriate. Well, believe it or not, all of these rocket scientists got together to think about what they could say, what would be appropriate to broadcast from space to all the people down below on Earth. They came up with several drafts of things, things, information about how far it was from Earth to, to the moon. There were other drafts of things like how the world needs to unite and be peaceful in the midst of the turmoil of the 1960s. But all of those drafts seemed to fall short. So finally, the decision was made as they were orbiting the moon and 
the earth was rising up in the distance on the horizon. They set the camera up so that people on earth could see this blue and white planet out in the midst of the darkness for the first time ever. And they said these words, Apollo 8 has a message that we would like to send to you. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness He called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth. And the gathering together of the waters was called the sea. And God saw that it was good. And from the crew of Apollo 8, we close with good night, good luck, and Merry Christmas. May God bless all of you. All of you on the good earth. In those moments, these rocket scientists knew that there was nothing greater to share than the inspired Word. The Word that had been passed down from generation to generation. This Word that maybe seems archaic to us, but comes alive when you see the world from a new place, from a new perspective. That world lives in us when we take the time to read it and study it over and again. Not just by ourselves, but with each other. When we take the time to read that Word, we find, yes, at times it is simple, at times it is mysterious, but at all times it is inspired. Inspiring us to open our eyes and open our ears and listen for how God is speaking to us right now. That's why we do the things we do, after all. It's not just because they are nice things to do, but because Jesus Christ commanded us to do it, and the testimony of Scripture tells us so. For instance, when we forgive each other, it's not just because it's a nice thing to do, but because Scripture tells us Jesus said, forgive others as you have been forgiven. When we go out and try to do justice for other people, it's because in Holy Scripture we hear, seek justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. When we go out and care for those people around us in the world, it's because Scripture says, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. And when we are struggling or in pain, when we are facing our own death, we have hope because Scripture tells us that neither death nor life nor anything else can separate us from the love of God. This living Word that's still alive is our foundation and our strength when Everything else in the world just doesn't seem to make sense. There's a story I was reading this week by the president of Princeton Seminary, the former president of Princeton Seminary, Craig Barnes. He just retired recently. He was telling a story about his own life. His father was a preacher, and all throughout his life, his father uh, invited him, or in fact, commanded him and his brother that they needed to memorize Scripture. 
Every single Monday morning, he would give his son a scripture lesson to, to memorize, and on Saturday night, if he hadn't memorized it, he would send him to bed without dinner. Craig Barnes said, I memorized a lot of scripture, not because I loved scripture, but because I loved fried chicken. <laughs> Over the years, he memorized passage after passage until he came to a very dark time in his life. His father, the minister, decided to leave his family, abandon them, and it was so difficult on his mother that his mother moved away as well, leaving these two sons, these college students, all by themselves. At one point, they decided they were going to hitchhike across the country from New York all the way to Texas where they heard their mother was living to try to find her and find out what was happening. But as they were hitchhiking, they find themselves lost and alone on a cold, wintry night in West Virginia. They were both struggling, wondering why they had found themselves all alone in this great big world. Suddenly, as they were sitting there waiting on somebody to pick them up, Chris Farn's brother leaned over to him and said, Romans 8, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And he leaned back and said, yeah, Psalm 119, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. They leaned back and said, Isaiah 43, I have called you by name, you are mine. And he remembered in those moments, those words that he had memorized years ago sprung forth in him, held him up when he felt most alone, reminded him that he belonged. Holy Scripture is alive for us every single day. That's why we're called to read it, to study it, to take it off of our shelves and, and learn from it. I want to give you a couple of practical things that you can do before I finish my sermon today. First and foremost, I want you to try to read Scripture every day, but start small. Don't try to read a whole book of the Bible in one day. Just read a couple of verses. You can do that. You can read a few verses before you uh, go to work in the morning or before you fall asleep at night. And if it's too hard for you to do that in the midst of your schedule, there are things like apps on your phone and podcasts you can listen to. I have a great podcast you can listen to if you need a recommendation. And you can listen to it on your way to work and hear those words of Scripture in your mind and, and see how God is speaking to you just, just by hearing Scripture. But I also want to call upon you to, to try this year to study the Bible with other people in our church. If you look on the back of your bulletin, you will see some new ways that are starting this week where you can study the Bible right here. There are no less than five or six Bible studies that are going on in our church right this very moment that you can participate in. Because when we read the Bible with each other, we see God through different eyes, through different perspectives. We hear God speaking through different ears, through the people around us, through their experience and their perspective. And in doing so, we hear God calling us to be new people, all because we do it in community together. One of my favorite little tales I like to tell, I, I'm not even sure if it's true, but Lane Alderman, my previous pastor, told this to me, and I, I hope it's true. It's a story about the great reformer Karl Barth. He was a, a, a great reformer just like Reinhold Niebuhr. He had written countless books, hundreds and hundreds of pages of, of tomes of information about all kinds of theological ideas from the Trinity to, to atonement to all sorts of things in, in great detail, hundreds and hundreds of pages, and given countless lectures upon all of those things. 
One day he was sitting in a lecture, and, and in the midst of his lecture, someone raised their hand and said, you know, Dr. Bart, you've, you've written all of these things, you've spoken so many times, but if you had to sum up your faith in one sentence, what would you say? Well, as the tale goes, Karl Barth thought for a minute, and then he said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's what the Bible tells us. It doesn't just tell us what's happened in the past, but it tells us what's happening now. It tells us that we belong. It tells us who we're called to be, what we're called to do. And you know what else it tells us? It tells us to read the Bible. So let's be resolved to do so. To the glory of God. Amen.